send you. Welcome to Be Simply This Is She, and I want to thank you for joining us today. We have special guest Alex Woodward. He is here to share his journey into creativity, songwriting, and calling us all into action. He'll dive deeper into his TEDx Veil talk as we explore the possibility when we finally let go of our dreams. Without further ado, let's dive in with Alex. So Alex, I want to thank you for being here today. Excited to share uh, a little bit about your journey and your wisdom and the treasures we can find in precarious situations. Since we're featuring the TEDx Talks, that that's the inspiration of this interview. I would love if you can share with the listeners a little bit about what stuck to me, um, the aspect of letting go of a dream so something else can come forward, uh, your true calling. The first thing I think I said when I came out for that, that TEDx talk was stop dreaming, which is not really what you anticipate hearing um, <laughs> one of those one of those talks. Um, but the message was that you know maybe what you're supposed to be doing is something that's bigger uh, and more beautiful than you could ever ever have dreamed, right? Uh, maybe maybe what you thought was supposed to be your path, there's something much much more beautiful out there for you. And so I I came to that from my own personal experience, which was um, as a singer songwriter for years, uh, probably. I don't know, 10, 12 years, I hit it really hard, and I had some success, you know, enough to keep going um, and uh, kind of keep that that momentum. Um, but at the end of the day, I didn't really get to where I thought I was going to get. And, and this particular summer was, was hard because uh, we'd had a song called Reno, which uh, went to number one on CMT's Pure Country Countdown, which is like their their music video countdown, which is a big deal, and we all thought, you know, me and my band thought it was all it was all happening at that point. Mm-hmm. And then the way the way that world works sometimes, it, it, long story short, that it didn't happen. Um, and that same summer, I lost a dog who'd been my best friend for years on the road, and uh, it, it, I lost my record deal because the the record company was owned by Tower Records, which went bankrupt. And so it's all kind of happened at the same time, right? And so yeah. I'd had this idea of what my dream was for so long and what I thought I needed uh, to make me happy. And I went after it really hard, um, only to find that this particular summer, it all fell apart. You know, like my path towards it just sort of stopped in the middle of the desert. Um, and so... I was left with, you know, the big question of what do I do now? Because I, you know, I hadn't gone on the traditional career path, obviously, that like a lot of my peers and my friends had. There was no backup plan per se, um, and I was kind of at a loss as to as to my future. And right around that time, I got a letter from a woman who was a fan in in Connecticut. So. At least I knew I had this one fan, and and she thought that my songs were pieces of myself that I was giving to other people, and um, she wanted me, she wanted to give me a piece of herself, and so she included with that note this letter that she had written to her soulmate, which was really beautiful, but her soulmate's been gone for 
uh, you know, I think at the time it was seven or eight years already. And every year she writes them this note about, you know, or it's actually a beautiful letter, the one I got, about what she's doing now and she hopes it's good where he's at. And, you know, it wasn't particularly sad. It was more just kind of a, you know, trying to reach out to him. Um, and he died, you know, he died very young um, when they were deeply in love. And so it's uh, it was a really moving letter, and I showed it to a friend of mine who was uh, living in my guest house, and we we wrote this song called For the Center and about it, and with nothing in mind. You know, I mean, I was still, like I told you, in this um, kind of limbo. In fact, uh, I, before, you know, I think earlier that spring, I had been on the road, and I was playing in Chicago, and um, I think I tell this story in the TED Talk, but I... I, it was a pretty empty gig and, you know, kind of disheartening. And I went back to the hotel afterwards and turned on the lights in the hotel bathroom, which are, you know, pretty bad, those fluorescent lights. And I looked at myself and I was, I was like, with the flick of that switch, I was already, I was older, like in a, in a heartbeat, right, in a moment. And it all kind of came, that, that's when it really started congealing for me that, I needed to figure something else out. And I went to bed and I kept remembering that night something that my dad had told me, which was don't be an old man in a young man's game. And that went around in my head over and over and over. And what he didn't tell me was that sometimes you just have to change the game, right? Um, Right. But but he was right uh, in, in a certain sense. So... Anyway, the, the summer is upon us. The record deal falls apart. That huge song we thought was going to be, you know, like the, the catapult for us didn't end up being that. My dog dies. All this, all this uh, is kind of mixed in with uncertainty as to what I was going to do with my future. And uh, I get this letter. We write a song about it. And that became the basis for this, um, this next chapter, which became... Um, Something, like I said, uh, when we first started talking, something more beautiful than I ever could have dreamed I was supposed to be doing, right? I thought I was supposed to be on the road and opening for Kenny Chesney and doing that sort of thing. And this path um, actually kind of got me in the back door to doing that stuff, you know, as far as like playing for a lot more people and, and having these kinds, of, these kinds of experiences that I was hoping to have. It, it, it opened up a series of doors for me, but just through the back, right, not through the front. So mm-hmm. that was the message uh, about this whole letting go of your dreams because um, I was forced to let go of a lot that summer, right? I was letting go of right. my dog, uh, which at the time, you know, wasn't married, didn't have a family. I've, I'm an introvert as it is, and so, you know, that dog was everything to me. So I had to let go of her and um, and this whole kind of identity that I had built up for myself. Which is tough. I mean, you know, it's not like I was 22 doing this. I was in my, um, let's see, how old was I? I was in my mid mid to late 30s, uh, which is when a lot of life is supposed to have happened already. Um, for at least it seemed that way. You know, it looks that way on Facebook, right? And, and it's <laughs> everybody, everybody has that uh, that life happening already. So anyway, it was a it was a very uh, empty time for me um, and and I was forced to let go of a lot and by doing that I 
this whole world opened up, uh, which was kind of kept me busy for sure for the last um, seven or eight years now. Uh, it's been a, it's been a very it's been a beautiful ride, um, which is how you know I've gotten to do like these TEDx talks, which is why you know how I got connected with you, um, and I was on the road with um, this guy named Wayne Dyer for a few years, and Wayne was a um, you know he was a kind of a powerhouse in the inspirational kind of thought space, and um, he became a mentor and like my like a grandfather father figure to me um, up until he died a couple of years mm-hmm. back, and and that was such a blessing. So all these things you know kind of uh, came into my life that would never have happened if I hadn't let go of that initial dream in the first place. Yeah. And can you share from the letters that you've received what this common thread is uh, of, you know, loss to or heartbreak um, and the potential for transformation? I know from my own experiences and the people I work with that lose people, you know, you're really in a tumultuous space, yet there's so much potential within that very tender moment and beyond once you move beyond it. Yeah, you know, it it was striking how uh, this thread of doing something beautiful with, um, you know, the the damage, um, it was so pervasive in these letters. And it's not something I was looking for, per se. It's just, it just happened. Um, and, and the nature, and this kind of stuff you can't really plan, like that ended up being the nature of the project anyway, right? Because I had, uh, I had my own loss and, and my own, um, you know, heartbreak, right? And this project came from it. And it wasn't intended to do, that, that wasn't like my plan. I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I've had this loss and now I'm going to create this thing that helps other people. But it wasn't that kind of thinking. I was just, doing something, right, which is like a big, big point is just taking steps, you know, just taking those steps, even if you don't know where they're going, is really important. Um, but anyway, these letters were were all about different kinds of, of heartbreak and different kinds of loss, some incredibly tragic, like I got a letter from, from um, a woman named Scarlett who lost her kid at Sandy Hook. Um, her little son, Jesse, was one of the ones shot and uh, and obviously, you know, I don't have kids yet, but I cannot imagine that kind of of loss. And she took that and processed it and grieved and then created this foundation that puts um, social and emotional learning curriculums into schools uh, successfully. Like, it's happening. Um, and so that's just one example. That was in the, in the second book. The first book uh, was... You know, there was a woman who was uh, homeless herself uh, when she was a teenager and really bad drug abuse pro- problems and rape and um, physical abuse and, of course, all sorts of emotional abuse on the streets. And she pulled herself out of that. And, and when I met her at the time, she was running a homeless shelter for teenage kids, right? So she took all of that, like, actual real, real grit, like that real-life experience, and used it. So these letters uh, were very, it was very interesting in the way that they all had, 
you know, I had this similar theme that you, you mentioned, and, and I wasn't asking for it. You know, I mean, even with these letters, I wasn't really asking for the letters. Like, if I ran into somebody that had, had an interesting story, I would say, oh, well, you, know, you should send me a letter because that sounds pretty, pretty cool. But the, I was not looking for, like, the, the phoenix, you know, kind of thing, like the, the phoenix rising from the ashes. That, that's not what I was looking for, but that is what – that was definitely the thread running through these uh, running through these letters um, from the first all the way up to the last, you know. And uh, it's interesting because, like I, I said earlier, it really reflected the project itself because I've been lucky – enough to have like created this this book and album series that has like helped people but that was not the intent and i mean that's something we can talk about later if you want i'm not saying i didn't want to help people i'm just saying (laughs) i was having to take these steps you know and um and, and i just to move forward and to move out of it because you might see that with some of the people that you work with, but sometimes just taking that first step is so debilitating. I mean, it's, I mean, it's so hard, right? Because right. you don't know where it's going to go and you don't know what you're going to do. And you, it's like writer's block in a sense almost, you know, on a really intense level. Um, but the important thing is just taking that step. So for me, it was just writing a song about a letter and that evolved into this a whole other thing, right? For other people who were sending me letters, it was writing the letter which was really cool to hear about. You know, when they, they, I would hear, they would tell me later that, you know, the, the writing, of writing their thoughts down and sending them to me was like actually a catalyst for change in their own life. Um, but it was, it was really that first step. So no matter where you're at in life, um, it, it's, it is such a cliche, right? The, taking that first step is the hardest, but it's so true. Uh, and, and being, being attached, you, you know, you don't need to be attached to the outcome. You don't need to be attached to where it's leading you. It's more about just taking the step. And, and there might be a couple steps up, right, and then a step back, and then a few steps up more, and then two steps, but whatever, How, however that looks. But it's about taking those steps, uh, which is just so hard, you know, when you, when you feel like you don't know where you're going and you don't really even know how to uh, to move in the right direction. But, um, you know, for me it was... It was using what what I knew, and what I knew was writing songs. I could do that, right? So mm. my step was to was to write a song without a letter. And um, it's funny because I keep harping on this intent thing, but even when the project uh, was done, like I had written, um, basically for your listeners who don't know what this is, people send in letters and uh, me and some friends write songs about them and then I weave the backstories and kind of my own story into a book around the lyrics. So it's like a book and album package called mm-hmm. For the Sender. And we, it's called For the Sender for a few reasons because I'm writing these songs for, uh, or we're writing these songs for the letter senders, right? Um, right. And also we donate uh, proceeds back to causes chosen by the letter centers. Mm-hmm. They they all choose their own um, uh, charities, and we we kick money back to that. Uh, so it's for the sender in that sense, also. And so that's uh, that's this project that we're talking about here. And um, in many senses, um, when I when I got done with the 
the songs and about these letters because by that time I got four letters completely randomly. They just you know they were just from fans and other people I knew uh, who had happened to send me stuff because once I was writing songs about letters, my my radar was sort of up, I guess. Um, and I was like, what do I do with these things? I have these 12 songs. He's like, Grammy-winning, platinum-selling artists help me write them and record them, and this is super special, but they're, I need to do something with this. So I decided to weave the backstories of how I got the letters through the lyrics, which I alluded to earlier. Even then, you're like, what is this thing? Like, it's, Is it a book, or is it an album, or is it kind of both? Or like, is it a concert? What is this? Um, so there was no defined goal as far as, as what I wanted this thing to be. I just kind of went with it. I just kind of rode that wave. And we ended up, uh, I ended up like printing up a hundred of these things and pasted the CD on the inside cover myself. Like it was super homegrown. <laughs> and uh, we, we did a benefit show in town for, for um, that homeless shelter that I alluded to, uh, the homeless shelter for kids. And, um, and everybody involved in the project, you know, and a lot of artists way more famous than me, um, participated, and, and it was awesome. And somebody in the audience picked up one of those hundred books, and um, that ended up at, at this guy in a president of a publishing house's lap, basically. And it was it's a one read or one sitting kind of read, and he read it in a sitting, and he. He FedExed it to his best friend, who was Wayne Dyer um, on Maui, and and Wayne read it in a in a sitting and said, "You got to do something with this guy." And you know, that week or later, that the next week, sorry, the following week, I was in his office, and you know, I had this three book, three album deal that opened up this whole incredible journey for me. And the whole point here is that I didn't have that as an as a goal and I didn't even have like the end product of what this thing was going to look like as a goal because I didn't know uh, it was just taking steps forward man that was a huge lesson that I got out of this whole deal I mean we're we're kind of taught to have uh, concrete uh, goals and plans and uh, you know you have to do one plus one in order to equal mm-hmm. two yeah and you know that's just not the way the world works not not in my experience it, it's it's easier to write a story that way, you know, in, in, in the press. And uh, it's easier to teach your kids that that's how the world works. But it just, you know, the most beautiful things in, in my experience don't work that way. Absolutely. And so as you're speaking, you're, you're reminding me a lot of the, you know, when we have a calling, a higher calling, uh, that we're actually propelled to do that no matter what, even if we get in the way of ourselves. So can you share a little bit with the listeners about maybe prior to where you had that aha moment where maybe the writing was already on the wall, uh, but you were resisting it because you were so attached maybe to this vision of being in a stadium. (laughs) Right, right, right. I I think that um, uh, I am as I said, an introvert, right? Which, um, and I'm not like socially, I don't, I don't avoid social situations, but I, you know, if I have my choice, I'm, my first thing is not to pick up the phone and call somebody to see what they're doing. My first thing would be to take my dog and go to the beach or, you know, go do that thing on my own. And uh, it's not because I don't 
like people. It's just that's just how I do. I just am wired that way. Right? I just kind of I've been like that since I was a kid. Um, and so looking back at this whole in my journey, um, you know, I had chosen this profession where you're kind of supposed to be um, more extroverted, right? And more, um, you have to be really, I mean, you have to do this in all walks of life, but you really got to sell yourself and, and you have to be promoting yourself very heavily. And that's not me. Like uh, the way that I'm wired, I'd rather have the work do that. So in this case, I'd rather have the songs do it or my writing or whatever. I'm not going to go out there and tell you to buy my stuff. Um, I just, I'm just a lot of, lots of people are way better at that than I am. Um, so here I was, you know, for a decade plus doing that. And it didn't feel right. I mean, I love the playing. I love the writing. I love the connections I made with people through the, the songwriting and the singing and stuff. I mean, that was awesome. But the rest of it, like, it just wasn't me. And I would do it because it, it was something that you had to do. I mean, you have to, if you want to work, you have to get out there and push your, push your stuff, you know. Uh, but I didn't like pushing my stuff. And, um, you know, from like the 30,000-foot view now looking down, um, it, it became, this for the center project is about other people's stories, right? It's about I'm writing songs about other people's stories, um, and it, and a lot of times in the first uh, couple albums that came with the book, especially, it's other people's voices singing those songs, right? Uh, and I I think that that was my um, all along probably what I was resisting is that you know. Uh, my, you know, my my greater gift was was putting other people's stories to, um, you know, telling those stories through both prose and through music. Um, it wasn't about me, and, and and I'm still like that. You know, I mean, I don't really think I'm all. I mean, this this can be taken a couple of ways, but I don't really think I'm all that important in that sense. You know, I kind of, well, if I got to write a song about me then I can do it on my couch here. I can get out everything I need to get out, and that's the end of it, you know? Um, that, for me, like, I don't need the world to hear it. But with, with these other people's stories, like we've been talking about, about, like, this, this, beautiful, this beautiful kind of growth that can happen from, uh, from the ashes of, of loss, those are stories that need to get heard. Because those are stories that can help other people and that can, uh, re, you know, make a, make a greater impact. So I think all along, you know, before the aha moment, it didn't feel right, you know. I mean, I spent over 10 years doing it, and there's a whole side of it that just didn't feel right. Um, and this feels much, much more right, uh, what I'm doing now. Because really, you know, I have the mindset that when I write these songs for other people, that's the only thing that matters really is that they hear it and that they, you know, and it does something for that person. If it affects other people, then that's awesome. But my focus really has to be on doing this one thing for one other person. Um, and, and that's where, that's where I have to leave it. Um, Cause so much of that is out of our control. What happens after that? Um, so, you know, I would definitely I would definitely point to my kind of hesitance to be um the self promoter. Um, right. And 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 that kind of, you know, 
tooting my own horn kind of thing uh, as yeah. leading me in this direction. It just took it took that you know getting that letter from that fan in uh, in Connecticut as, that 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 was the catalyst. Uh, because once I started doing that, I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. This is what I should be doing. This is like, this is where I belong. This is something that is different and unique and that I can give back to the world uh, rather than just writing about my latest heartbreak. You know? Right. And if you can uh, share as you're, you're speaking, just hear, you know, the sense of ease that followed within your work, not to put words in your mouth, but uh, right. if you can share the beauty and ease in what we do and uh, beauty and actually being of service to others versus right. that self-indulgent nature to, uh, <laughs> you know, see that image on Facebook or Instagram. <laughs> so right. a little right. bit about that. Um, because there are a lot of people, I think, that struggle with that, that struggle with the aspect that, oh, I have to be this to feel at ease when there's a surrender and if we just look to be of service, uh, it's there's something really uh, magical that happens in those moments. Yeah, and, and this kind of speaks to something we were talking about earlier, about taking the steps forward and not maybe necessarily knowing what those steps are. Um, the, uh, one of those steps can be in service, um, and, and that can be something as small as, like, you know, giving a taco to a guy on the street or something, right? I mean, it can be that kind of thing. But we get in our own way so much, um, and a really, a really great way to get out of your own way is to do something for someone else. And it's not about planning. It's not about figuring out where to volunteer. It's not about setting up some some structure that, to operate from so you can be more giving. I mean, that's that's more that's just more getting in your own way. It's about just doing that one small thing for someone else, and it just, you know, it. You probably had this experience. It just expands. I mean, it's exponential. How how doing that one thing leads to something else, which leads to something else, which leads to something else. You know, um, and and that's one of those steps that is a hard one to take, and I'm not sure why. Why why we're you know, we listen to that as humans, um, but man, it has this. This incredible impact, and so it just gets on a much larger scale. It's it's not the the, the scale the scale where you can let's say that you know you're a philanthropist and you've got you know you're giving twenty thousand thirty thousand dollars at a time right to these different causes. Um, that's super admirable, and in in the writing of the check and the you know the knowledge of where that money's going to go, I'm sure, is, is great. But obviously that's not all of us. And it's not even the impact, you know, with that, that philanthropist writing that check actually, like, went and did something for the person who he thinks he's going to be benefiting. His feeling, you know, inside, which maybe he's already done, that's why, you know, he's a different place in life. But, like, that feeling is, like, you can't, you can't beat it, you know, you can't replicate it. And, and that's available to all of us, you know, because it's not about money, right? It's about, like, these incredibly small things that make a huge difference, you know, that I could go do when we're done with this interview, and you could go do two. And if we were doing this once a day, just once, you know, um, our lives, I think, would look, look very different. Um, 
and and you know to be honest, that's that's how I got to this position with this project, right? Uh, which is just doing that one small thing, which for me was writing a song for somebody. Um, mm. That's what it was, and and it was, and you know we wrote it. Uh, I wrote it with my, like I said, my friend Sean. We recorded a really rough version and just emailed it to her. And this girl could not believe it. You know, like her reaction is what made me keep doing it because she was so, you know, like humbled but honored. But but it, her her email back to me was incredible. Like I, I've kept it all these years because it was so great. And she was a really good writer anyway. Um, but the point being that that was one small thing I could do for somebody. Um, and it, it just it, it and exploded. You, absolutely. Can you share um, one of the letters that have most, or stories that have most impacted you? Yeah. Um, let's see here. They've all kind of like found a, a special place in me because, you know, they, they, they speak to they speak to different parts of of my experience. Um, I would say that the one that's kind of been the most impactful uh, for me is that this one that we've been talking about, the very first letter, which was from, her name was Emily. She'd known, uh, I think I'd written about it or I'd maybe sent out an email or you know written a blog post or something about the loss of my dog. And so she knew that it happened, right? And so she she sent me that letter about the loss of her soulmate or writing to her soulmate who was gone um, because she knew I, I had experienced my own loss also. And that, that was very, you know, touching and um, thoughtful, right? And that's the letter that started this whole process for me. And so that one is the one that is um, kind of sits the deepest in me. But it's it's hard to say because, you know, we went and after writing these songs for the people who sent us the letters, we went and surprised them with the songs. Like some of these folks didn't even know we were writing songs about their letters because I wouldn't tell people. Like they would send, there's no guarantee basically, you know, there, that uh, that there was anything going to happen with what they were, what they were sending. And so uh, sometimes we would go and people, you know, I would set it all up beforehand. Like, uh, for example, Emily, who I'm talking about now, I told her that we were on the road and I really loved her better and I just wanted to meet her in the airport, um, in the airport hotel lobby, just to meet her, right, in Connecticut. And so she, she went to this hotel lobby and we had already rented a hotel room for the day and me and Sean and, and my friend Molly Jensen took her up to this hotel room and sat her on the bed and played these songs for her. Mm-hmm. And that is, the video of that stuff is out there if, uh, if you want to go find it on YouTube. It's all there if you search for The Sender and Emily especially. Um, you'll see it. But as far, so I went and did that for all these people who sent me their letters. And so it's hard, I get so inner twined with the letters because I'm writing songs about them, right? And that becomes my own personal story going in too, right? Because the songs are coming from me. So it's really hard to pick one um, that I would say resonated the deepest. But I'd say if I had to narrow narrow the project down to one letter, it would be 
it would be that one. It would be Emily's. And that's the first one you see in the very first one of the summer book. Um, it's, uh, it's within like the first 10 pages. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, that's kind of what started this whole thing for me. So I, I'd point to that one. Beautiful. And can you share a little bit, uh, being, you know, in this beautiful, uh, kind of experimental process and then, as you mentioned, going in the back door all of a sudden, you know, uh, the intercepting not by chance but by fate, you know, Wayne Dyer's path and then being pulled into the ability to help people that are, you know, wanting help through through your creations. And what occurred at that transition for you? Yeah, you know, um, it's really, you start off this, this conversation with, uh, with us talking about letting go, right? Um, I, and I, that was a cru- it's a crucial part of this kind of exper- experimenting and kind of, um, you know, making your way through without having a really strong idea of where you're going. It, it's all about letting go in, in every moment. Um, and so with this project, uh, as I said, I didn't know what it was going to be, what it was going to look like, uh, what to even call it. I didn't, you know, I mean, I, I didn't know what it was. I was just doing it, right? Um, that kind of, when I got done and we did this benefit concert that I talked about and I saw that, that it was a thing, I mean, it was actually something I could hold in my hand now. It was this book with this album and it was touching people and people were like really, really connecting. And it, it just, there was a feeling that I had, I had done something, right? Um, and getting to that point, I, I totally realized that I had no idea what I was doing up till that point right? in terms of like what, it, I wasn't like designing something to, you know, to become this book and album project. I was just, taking these steps and I knew it and so that taught me that moving forward I could just keep doing the same thing I didn't have to have everything figured out you know I just had to be moving forward Um, because I didn't know after that benefit show you know I didn't know that this this um, Hay House and and Wayne Dyer and all these other special people that would go into my life thing was happening like I had no idea I was trying to think about well I wonder if I should try to put this out on my own, you know, and I wonder I could self-publish. I guess I could print up books and sell them on Amazon or maybe I could, you know, I mean, I was in that mode. I I was, I really didn't have, um, I didn't have getting published as a, as a goal because first of all, I was an unknown writer. Like I was, I wasn't published. I was, you know, I'd been, had a little bit of success as a singer-songwriter, but nobody knew me as an author, so no one was going to take that kind of chance on me. You know, I didn't think. So it wasn't even on my radar. Um, but but just taking these steps forward, you know, like the benefit show, that was a step forward. And it just so happened that somebody was in the audience that, you know, that got my book into different hands, right? Uh, which would never have happened if I hadn't taken those steps forward. So... Um, I think that it was kind of a, I mean, I, I know it was a constant letting go of expectation in, in each moment for me. Um, and, and that included Wayne. Like, you know, the, my first, the first four of the Fender book ended up being 
uh, the inspiration for Wayne's last book um, and, and the way that I wrote it and kind of the present tense and this, these different kinds of stories grouped together. Um, that's how he wrote his last book. And that's obviously nothing I could have ever planned when I was writing, <laughs> r- writing, you know, and wondering what the hell I was doing, you know, with these letters and these songs and what is this thing? I mean, I, I would not have my intention, so to speak, right? We're, we're taught we're supposed to set our intention, right? There's no way that would have ever been my intention. Like, yeah, it would have been awesome, but no. <laughs> that, it, I remember seeing Wayne on a PBS special when I was like, I was like 22, and oh. in Seattle, and he said something like, um, oh, what did he say? Well, he had these tenets that, that he was suggesting people live by, and one of them was, don't die with your music still in you. Oh. And I didn't know who he was. He was just a, this bald dude on PBS with this really <laughs> deep voice, you know, and, like, he was really, like, commanding. But when he said that, I was like, that's me. Like, I, and, I, and in fact, I wrote down, everything he said, like the 10 tenets or 12 or however many there were. Um, and one of them was don't die with your music still in you. I wrote it down, those things down on the back of a band, one of my band's flyers in Seattle, you know. And, uh, and I, before I found it, like when I was writing the second For the Center book, I found that and showed it to Wayne, you know, and said this is from, you know, 20 years ago. And, you know, it's pretty... There's not really a word for how I ended up here with you now, and because after I saw that PBS special and wrote down those those things on the back of the band flyer, I forgot about him. You know, it's not like I became a Wayne Dyer fan and you know right. and followed him around for the next twenty years. <laughs> you know, um, uh, I totally respected what he did, and, and I loved I loved what he had what I had seen in that special, but I didn't know anything else, you know, about him, and I and it was quite a it was kind of like a huh when I got the email that said, "Oh, Wayne, Wayne read your book last week, and you know, he loves it." I was like, "Wayne, Wayne who?" And Wayne Dyer. I was like, Wayne, Di- Wayne Dyer. You know that that. And then of course I jumped online and and uh, you know he he was he was a powerhouse in the seventies. You know with uh, Euronia Zones and I think that came out in yeah. the late seventies and then. Um, you know, ever since then. And his story's awesome, too. I mean, he's like, he is the ultimate, he's like a Detroit, you know, hard-nosed, selling books out of the back of his, out of the trunk of his car story, which he really yeah. was doing, you know. And and when I would get kind of down on my situation, um, things weren't going like I thought they should, he would, you know, he told me that story more than a couple times, you know. Oh, you know, you know, and I was... I was going thing to thing, and I didn't, you know, his story is amazing, which we could talk about some other time, but the way that he he actually came to his, uh, you know, kind of came to realize his own potential, he had no intention either of it. You know, I mean, he was a professor, and he dropped out, or not dropped out, I mean, he, he was a student, he was a professor, he quit. Um, and because and, he really wanted to write this book, and he took his daughter, and they went to this motel, and they wrote this book. He wrote this book, and um, the way that he got to success, he didn't anticipate either. And Louise Hay had a big, a big role in that. Um, so it was fitting that later on he came back and and was on Hay House. Um, mm-hmm. But 
it didn't go how he planned either. You know, I mean, he had to tell <laughs> stories about being on Johnny Carson, right? And he was slated to go on Johnny Carson. And, and just getting to that point, he was unknown. But but by some stroke of luck, uh, if somebody knew somebody and they needed to fill a space and they knew, and so they called him. And so he drove all the way out from Detroit and they somebody got assassinated the night of the shooting or something. Like, like it was some sort of like national tragedy. And... They got, it got canceled, right? So what he thought was going to be his big break wasn't. And that happened two more times to him on the same thing, on the same, on the Johnny, with Johnny Carson, um, until, you know, Johnny took him aside and said, look, I know this has happened a couple times, a few times now, and we're going to make it up to you, and we're going to have you on, and we're going to give you a big segment, like seven minutes at the end of the show, and, and uh, you know, he made it work. For, he, he, Carson made it happen, and um, it all worked out, obviously, for Wayne. Um, but his story is the same in the sense that, you know, he's, he had a message, he had something that he wanted to get out of the world, but the way that he got it there was completely different than what he might have thought or that other people might have counseled, how they might have counseled him to, to you know, take those steps forward. Um, so I still think about that a lot. Like his his story, and it's also one of patience, you know, I mean, it didn't happen for him, like, overnight. Um, right. I think there's that cliche that the, the every overnight success is 10 years in the making, you know? Right. Absolutely. Um, which is, uh, seems to be the way it goes. Mm. And can you uh, share, uh, when you were talking about Wayne and this word intent, and that's uh, obviously, not obviously, but for some of the listeners, a lot of people say that word, especially in a, a spiritual self-help community, mm-hmm. uh, even in the, in the Tao or the Zen. Um, but if you can share a little bit about intention and intent and how to maybe get out of the way of what you thought your intention was. You know, there's like a, it, that's kind of a, uh, I don't know, it, it is, it's a disconnect um, in that community, in the New Age um, New Age community, I think, and, you know, which, which they, and like you said, they take it from the Tao, and the Zen way of thinking, or, or they think they, they take it. Um, that, like, directly contradicts the, the, the idea of setting an intention, um, directly contradicts the focus on being in the present moment, right? You can't do both. You can't be in the present if you have an intent set for later. Um, and so... It's very, um, it, it, it's, I think that the, the way that to move through is you have a balance between the two, right? Um, you can't be completely present and experiencing all of this right now if you've got another narrative that you think you're supposed to be pushing towards, right? It's just, yep. you can't. I mean, it's, it's like impossible. Um, so uh, I think that, on a larger scale, and then when that that's that's kind of like we're talking in those terms, it's about you know the present moment and experience right now, you and I talking that sort of thing. On a a, a larger scale, it, it, we're taught we use this in metaphor um, or analogy, I guess, of of taking steps, right? So when you take a step, you have to be going towards something. I mean, physically, like when, you know, you stand up right now and take a step, you have to be going towards something, right? I, you could, 
make that your you could call that an intent or an intention, you know, I think. But you just can't be attached to it, right? So it might be uh, you're walking toward, I don't know, say a calendar on the wall or something like that, or whatever it might be. It's making you move forward, which is great, but it doesn't have to be where you end up. Um, so on a, like a, a broader kind of macro scale, I think that, that setting an intention um, in your life, for example, is, is okay and is, is important, but it's, it's not about um, fame or money or, or those, those sorts of uh, goals that you might, you might be pushed towards, especially these days um, with our, you know, everybody's famous kind of thing on, on social media. Um, if your intent is just to do good and, or, and be, be good to others or be a service or, or that sort of thing, you can move towards that intent very easily and be, you know, and, and it can take you a lot of different paths and a lot of different ways um, that are really, you know, kind of healthy and going to help out the world at the same time. Um, I think looking back for me, um, specifically as far as like being the singer-songwriter guy, trying to make it and, you know, like you said, be in, be in the stadiums and... Um, sell a lot of albums and all that stuff, which nobody's selling albums these days anyway, but like, you know what I mean? Like having that kind yeah. of, that kind of goal. Um, what I did um, in my own situation, instead of focusing on my connection and, and broadening that and somehow widening the channel between me and, uh, in a good way, like widening the, the path between me and, and, and my potential listeners, I focused on the gatekeepers, right? I focused on the record label executives and the biggest booking agents and the best publicists and that stuff. I did that, and I, was, I did well with it. Like, I got the attention of a lot of people and uh, had success in that area, like getting really good press and um, and getting a great booking agent and that, that sort of stuff. Like I did that, but life isn't about the gatekeepers, right? It's about like the actual, I, I was like, go, I was one step removed. You know, it, even back then before the internet was huge, um, I, there were, there were ways to, to connect directly to the people that I was trying to reach. Instead, I was trying to connect to, the people that might be able to help me connect to other people that I might be trying to reach. Um, and I bring up that example because I think that's what a lot of us do daily. Um, the answers are a little clearer than we allow them to be, you know? Mm. Um, and it's, uh, and that's a lesson. That was a hard lesson to learn. I, I even did the same thing kind of with, uh, with the for the center project with Hay House, you know, I mean, I got a great book deal and like they kind of lined everything up for me and said, okay, this is going to happen. You can take your hands off the wheel and we're, we're taking it, you know? And that was a mistake. Like I should have kept my hands on the wheel um, and, and kind of, you know, been more involved in directly connecting with my audience. But instead I thought that these gatekeepers again would handle it. Um, mm. It's really not about that. You know, it's really about, um, we have a lot more 
um, purchase than, than we give ourselves credit for. You know? um, it's funny, I was just talking to somebody uh, last week, um, and uh, he's a talented guy. He, he had written a book. He's gotten his, his fingers in other things, and he wanted my advice about writing, about what to do with this book. Um, and I told him, that, uh, and this, I think, would apply to your, your listeners in a lot of ways. I told him that like, whatever he's doing, he needs to like, execute the vision how he wants to see it because with very few resources these days, you can do that now. You know? you can, if you want to write a book, you can do you can, every down to the cover design and how it feels in your hands and everything. Like, you can do all that, you know? and you can hire a designer for not a lot. There are incredible resources right now where you can get like, Fifteen dollars designs online from people bidding to you know help you out. I mean it's like it's awesome. Um, so you can do that, and that's what I did with the for the sender thing, which is what I credit to having the, the success. Right, is that I, I executed the vision how I wanted to see it, so I knew that was going to happen no matter what. Right, my 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 vision was going to co- become realized regardless. You know, no matter what happened. And so and that's a win. I mean that's that's great. And so you can do that with books, you can do it with anything. Um, so I told this guy, and he's yeah, he I think he's like twenty two now, um, that that's what he needed to do. And and I must have gone on like a thirty minute diatribe or monologue, not even a diatribe, it was like a monologue about this stuff. About you do this and then you do this and this and this and this and then this, right? And it all centered around us or me or him asserting more, um, you know, like I said earlier, more purchase over things. Like you can do this and you can make this happen for yourself. So I got to the end of the road with this guy on the phone and he's like, well, I appreciate all that, but I think I really just want a lit agent. And I was like, so why do you just want, like I got signed, I got this huge book deal without an agent, right? Like I, it, it all, I didn't have anything. I ended up having to get an attorney obviously to help out with stuff. But like, um, but the, the book publisher was so impressed with, they, they liked what I wrote, but they, they liked the, the whole vision that I'd had, uh, I'd executed on my own because they knew that meant that I'd be willing to do the work down the road, right? So I didn't right. have a with agent. And I said, well, why? Why do you want a lit agent? He's like, well, I just kind of want to be on the table at Costco. I don't want to have the end cap mm-hmm. at Barnes and Noble, and I just don't want to have to. You know, I've got. I'm so busy with all these other things. I just don't want to have to deal with it. You know, um, that which I, I said, all right. Well, I'll, I'll see you if I can you know, dig some names up for you. But you know, that in my experience has not been the way. You know, succeed in really anything. You know, like. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, but it's pervasive, though. I mean, that's a lot of folks think that way. You know, I, you know, right. you just, I'd rather, you know, I want to be, I just want to be this thing. I don't want to do the work to get there. It's a common, you know, it's a common gripe. It's a common thing. But, like, to hear it, like, on the phone after I just, like, laid it out for this guy, like, this is <laughs> how I did it, you know? Um, no, I, I just, you know, uh, and I, I just kind of want to, and he had, like, he even had, he even knew what publisher he wanted. I just yeah. think they can get me through, which is like it was like Simon and Schuster. Something's huge, you know. It's right. Like, which is fine. I mean, that's great if that happens. But man, it, it's there's a whole like world between now and then. You know? Absolutely. Well, and and I think you touched on you know everyone's um, success 
oftentimes is 10 years in the making. And we are in such an instant gratification society where we see something like pop. Even for you, people might see you pop and then go, wow, I want to be that. But they don't realize the road that you traveled. And, you know, Mother Nature teaches us that, you know, things take time. You don't get a giant 500-year-old red oak tree overnight. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, but totally. It's, it's so majestic, you know, we all want to sip it up when we greet it in the forest. But um, Yeah, I look at it as like collateral damage almost, but not, not where damage is a bad word. But like the, the, what you're, you're seeing is like the collateral effect of a whole lot of other stuff, you know? Right. When you're, when you're seeing somebody, um, uh, you be it a Taylor Swift or anything, anything that looks like you you can see this one package that you're looking at that's successful and has it all this stuff happening right that is the that's the result of all it's that you're looking at the collateral effect of so much other behind the scenes years in the making kind of stuff and and the, you know with this kind of um instant gratification um world we live in uh, with the internet uh, it's you think that what you're seeing is it, but that's not it. That's like the very end, like the end game after um, so much work and so much um, vision and, you know, so much failure, right? I mean, you don't hear about the failures, but like it takes so much to get to that point. And uh, that's kind of what I was trying to, to say to this kid. Um, but it, it was, uh, it, it kind of fell on deaf ears. So I, I'm hoping that, um, you know, your listeners and uh, whoever has, you know, ideas of where they want to get to their, get where they want to get to, that's kind of what we, circling back to how we started this conversation. Um, it's good to have that because that, that keeps you moving forward. It keeps you taking those steps, but just don't be attached to what that looks like at the end. You know, I mean, I could never have dreamed I'd be doing what I was doing right now and, and having the impact that I'm having and, and, it was only when I started letting go, like what you talked about, of uh, of those dreams, you know, and of having the in cap at Barnes and Noble or having my book at Costco or whatever, you know. Uh, I was doing the same kind of thing when when I was his age, and I think I was trying to like, like shake him and be like, "Don't be like me, <laughs> you know. Like, don't 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 have it take twenty years for you to figure this stuff out, you know." Well, hey, I'll remember that conversation when if the time is right. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> oh. Well, can you share one uh, call to action? You kind of gave us one earlier, but whatever you're inspired to give, uh, part of the premise of these interviews is to take your ideas and inspirations and inspire the listeners to move into action uh, in any shape or form that you would like to direct them. So if you could share a call to action, that would be fantastic. Do one thing that takes you forward. And I'm not talking, it doesn't, it could be, it can be anything. It could be, um, I, if it was, you know, if it was me giving, giving some sort of advice right now, I would, I would say that you should narrow it down to service, right? And do one thing today in service, um, and it could it could even just be smiling at the Starbucks guy and saying, "Have a good day." It could be anything like that, right? But um, but know when you're doing it and do it, um, because just taking that one step. I mean, it, it sounds sort of 
hokey and woo-woo, but it's like it, it unlocks doors, you know? It, it really does. And so I think each of us has some sort of gift, right? It may, it's what makes us unique. And for some people, those gifts are way more visible, right? They're, um, they are, they've got success in media or, you know, stuff where you kind of see it and you think, oh, my God, I can never be that, right? But that's just because um, their voice is amplified, uh, and that's why you know about their gift. There's ways that, to amplify your own voice, too. And so whatever you've got that, that makes you special, that's what you can use in service. Um, and, uh, and we're not, like I said earlier, we're not talking about, like, grand schemes and, you know, setting up a 501c3 and doing all that. <laughs> I'm just talking about what you can do today. Cause, and I have to remember it too, you know. I mean, I, I don't always remember it, um, doing that one thing every day. But, you know, the important thing about that to keep in mind is it just doesn't have to be significant, you know. I mean, in terms of, like, scale, it, it will be even more significant, ironically, the smaller scale you do. You know, it's that pay it forward idea. It's just, uh, you know, like in, at Starbucks or wherever you might be, you could just pay for whoever, you know, give them 10 bucks and have them pay for the guy behind you. You know, it's stuff like that. It's just so special I and mean, kind of kind of makes life worth living, you know. Mm, beautiful. And can you share uh, where people can find you on the World Wide Web, your website, and then if you have other sure. places they can, you uh, can like post. Yeah, they go to, if they, you go to alexaoexwoodard.com. Um, my writing gets posted there, you know, the, whatever my thoughts are, all the music is there, the For the Sender uh, stuff, softalexwoodard.com too. Um, For the Sender has its own site also, but um, I send people to alexwoodard.com generally. Um, and the reason I do is because with a lot of the, the social media outlets, um, you know, like Facebook in particular, it's become more common knowledge now. But, like, if you follow somebody on Facebook, um, you're not guaranteed, basically, of seeing what they put out right. there, right? You, you only see 5 to 7% of what people post unless they pay to reach you. Um, but on the... So I've kind of I still post stuff there, but I know that not everybody um, that, that follows me sees it. Um, that's why I point uh, I point folks to my website because whatever I write, whatever's going on, that's that's where it goes, and that's not going to change. Great, beautiful. Well, Alex, I really appreciate your wisdom today, and inspiring us all to be of service versus attached to. <laughs> our intention and, and maybe outward focus that we've been programmed to go for. Uh, we look forward to having you back and keep up the great work. Cool. Well, thanks for having me. It was great. Please connect to the to links you. below. In addition, if you would like to explore additional ideas that might propel you into action, connect to the TEDx Veil link below. We are all blessed to have you tuning in. And until next time, this is she signing out with a soft gaze, a deep bow, gentle smile, and a namaste. Be simply.
send you Autumn's cold The leaves are old And letting go I swear 